We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Great to have you here with us as well. And yeah, as Pastor Will said, if I haven't met you, hi. Um, I, I actually live in Tonga with my wife. So my wife is Tongan. Sorry if you already know the story, but um, my wife is Tongan. She actually got saved in this church uh, quite a few years ago uh, when she was down here studying law at Otago University. So uh, this, is the, this was her first church home. And uh, she's been living in Tonga for the last two or three years, and I've been commuting up while I went back to university. And then July last year, uh, I moved up as well. So that is our base and uh, loving it. So yes, this is a little bit chillier than we're used to. We're used to 23, 24 degrees at this time of the year. I know, it's an ugly job, but somebody has to live there. Uh, so it's great, but great to be with you. And um, as Pastor Will said, it's, uh, we're, we're living there. Um, I still come back into New Zealand to do a bit of work down again in the justice area. Um, and we're back at the, actually, Rere is in Auckland at the moment. Um, we're here for our son's wedding coming up on the 7th of September. So, yeah. Woo! So, if you don't know me, you might know my son. So, uh, as I was saying to someone before the service, I, my son used to meet people and they say, oh, are you Mark's son? Now I meet people and they go, oh, you're Kenan's dad. Okay, so I'm, I'm only known because I'm Kenan's dad. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that wedding. Kenan's marrying Grace Huirua. Uh, on the 7th of September, so it's going to be a great time. So, are you all well? You all well in Mosgiel? Hi, Richard. Good to see you again. Yeah, there you go. Um, we're going to continue our series looking at uh, the honor key, and um, this morning I want, to th- I want to sow some ideas to you that might challenge some of your thinking. But what I'm going to do at the start is I'm going to ask for grace. By that I mean I'm going to ask that, that you give me grace and you just hear me out and then ask God to speak to you about what it is that I share this morning. Now, that's not to worry. I'm not going to share heresy. I'm actually going to share Bible. But the challenge I know is that sometimes we read some stuff in the Bible. I don't know whether you ever have this, but you read some stuff in the Bible and you go, oh, oh, ah. You ever had that experience reading the Bible? Well, if you haven't, you will at some point, and it might be this morning. So uh, this morning we're going to continue on, but to do that, I'm just going to try the technology, and uh, there we are, and there we are. Okay, so here's our first visual for this morning. Um, why, I say, ask you, you might ask, well, the answer is really simple. This is the first salad vegetable mentioned in the Bible. Mm. Mm. which is just a useless segue to get your attention into our first scripture this morning. From Genesis chapter 1, where God says, let us. I'm sorry, it's a dad joke. Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. So to set the scene talking about honor this morning, I want us to go back to the beginning for just a moment. You and I have been created from relationship and for relationship. Now, I don't know whether any of you have have got excited by grammar. Um, I don't mean the one married to grandpa. I mean, you know, the language side. That it's interesting when God speaks about creating you and I, 
the pronouns, the words that are used in the place of real nouns that he uses are not singular, they are collective. So God doesn't say, I will make mankind in my image. God says, let us make mankind in our image. Now, what we understand is that the the reason for the use of those pronouns is because God is three but one. What we call the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-equal. Just a little bit of theology on a Sunday morning. Coexisting and co-equal. And, and if you read some of the, the, the inter, interplay in the Gospels, what you'll see is talking about the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At one point, Jesus says of himself, the Son only does what he sees the Father doing. The Father honors the Son. So when Jesus was baptized, he spoke the words, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's an honoring phrase. The Holy Spirit loves to lift up Jesus. Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came. So there's this, there's this dynamic of relationship where there is an honoring of one another. Nobody loses. Nobody misses out. And see, that's the backstory. That's the background to the creation of you and me, you and the person sitting next to you. The Bible says that we are created in his likeness. Now, when you read that, I'm not sure what comes to mind. And you're, God looks like, in, in every way, we are made in his image, in his likeness. So what I suggest to you this morning is actually this power of the way of relating to one another should be a mirror of the way that the Godhead in whose likeness we are made, also relate to one another. That sense of honoring one another, that sense of no one worrying about missing out, seeking to serve one another by honoring one another, by being focused on one another. Let us make mankind in our image. So that's just by way of, of background, but let's, let's move on. Uh, if, you're, if you're part of the e-group and an, an e-group in, in the church, what you'll find is this scripture is going to come up in your e-group series this week. Uh, and, and if you're not in an e-group, can I encourage you to join in with one? There's an opportunity. See, this is the opportunity where we get to, to hear somebody speaking up the front. But e-group is a chance where you get to sit not in rows, but where you can sit in circles. And where you can talk and, and, and do, do life with, with one another. But also the chance to talk about some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning. So, so can I encourage you, this is going to come up in the e-group series this week, this scripture. And it's comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And the back, background, a few verses before he comes to these words is, is Paul actually speaks, speaks, <coughs> speaks. It's that chapter that starts he, where he's encouraging the, the church to, to present themselves as a living sacrifice to God. And then he goes on and encourages them not to let the world squeeze them into its way of thinking, but actually to, to stand as distinctive, be transformed. And, and then he goes on and talks about, in fact, in, fact, in my Bible, I, I love the heading. The, the heading is not written by Jesus, but, you know, it's funny. The, the translators, verse 9 to verse 21 in my Bible, the section says, behave like a Christian. <laughs> That's a good idea, isn't it? If you're a follower of Jesus, behave like a Christian. So, 
So it comes to this verse. It says, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves. And everyone went, oh, I don't know about that. So hey, let me just try and unpack this a little bit. I'm, I'm gonna be bold and cheeky enough just to, this is not the gospel according to Mark. This is just my attempt at trying to unpack the meaning of some of these words when we look at back at its original language. So it's like Paul is saying, be prone be tending towards tenderness in your relationship with one another lean towards tenderness you know there are times where that's much easier there are times when tenderness is not often our first reaction but Paul's saying now come on and you're relating to one another tend towards tenderness lean towards tenderness loving each other mutually and reciprocally hmm, there's big words See, if we're loving one another in a certain way, mutually and reciprocally, who misses out? Outside voices? No one. See, the essence of the, these words, the love that Paul is encouraging us to have for one another is that love that is others-focused, but if everyone is being others-focused, who misses out? Nobody. The problem is, when we start not being others focused, somebody is gonna miss out. So he says, be, be loving each other mutually and reciprocally with brotherly love. If you, if you love looking at the Greek language, the word that's translated brotherly love is Philadelphia. That's literally what the word means, brotherly affection. Okay, so that's the first part of that verse, verse 10. Now let's go to the next one. Before we do, I, I want to just help you try and understand the essence of what this word honor truly means. How much do you think that diamond is worth? It could be worth a lot. It could be worth virtually nothing. It could be that it's not actually diamond. It could be that it's just cut glass. See, in the end, you don't really know just from a picture what the value is. You'll, you'll only know the value if I tell you what the value is. And in doing that, what I do is I assign value. So if I tell you that that's a worthless piece of glass, worth very little simply because of the way it's been cut and shaped, then you go, oh, okay, it's not valuable. On the other hand, if I tell you, no, 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 that is a hand-cut diamond. I don't know off the top of my head how many carats it is, but it's incredibly expensive. Then guess what? You'll accept that too because I've just assigned it value. See, value is assigned. Assigned by someone. And the important thing is that we need to understand that we have the opportunity to assign value to the people who are around us. Now that's both an opportunity and a challenge. Because the danger is we may choose to see the people around us as nothing more than cut glass. 
So what do we need is we need a reference point. And so that's what God's Word gives us. And so I want to suggest this is a meaning for the word honor biblically, that when God is encouraging us to honor one another, what he's saying is from the foundation that the value of every person is fixed because everyone regardless is made in his image. Now think about that for a moment. If we allowed that to be the lens through which we looked at every single person that we meet, See, part of the challenge, and I'll perhaps talk a bit more about this tonight, is part of the challenge is that in our world, we can unconsciously pick up the view that some people are not as valuable as others. Some people, because of who they are, because of what they've done. Some people from where they are from, some people from certain backgrounds, are not as valuable. And oh, we would never say it that overtly because we're brighter than that. But the intrinsic value that we're assigning in our heart is not always consistent with the fact that regardless, every person we meet is made in the image of God just like you. So Paul says to the church in Rome, honor, assign value to every person, understanding that the value of every person is fixed because every person is made in his image and give preference to each other, mutually and reciprocally. Give preference to, I, I, love, the, I love words. I mean, I'm a words guy. I love, the word that's translated preference, the Greek word that's translated preference literally means, the, the, the prefix or the beginning of it means before and the suffix means leadership or leading. So what Paul's actually saying is, and in, in you're relating to one another, let others lead before you. Let others go before you. That's where we get our English word prefer or preference. Prefer one another. Give preference to each other. <laughs> Classic place. The buffet table at a church event. Oh, test of sanctification. How much do I trust God that there will be enough? Do I trust him enough to let others go first? A small but very powerful example. But see, what Paul is saying is, this is the way that we should be honoring one another, give preference. Now, now it's not to be the point that, well, would some, oh, no, no, you go first, no, you go first, no, you go first. Will somebody make it? No, we're not talking, that's not what preference is. Preference is, preferring one another. And again, if we are all preferring one another, I ask the question again, who misses out? Nobody. The problems come when we're not all preferring one another. There's a sense where some will miss out. So Paul says, let's honor one another. Let's understand that the person sitting next to you, the person sitting behind you, the person on the other side of the room that you've never spoken to, you don't quite know who they are, the people that you meet in, this, in the shop tomorrow, that person sitting next to you at work, that extra grace required person in your extended family are all made in the same likeness as, as God. And therefore, are deserved. and here's the thing, honor is not to be earned. Honor is to be given. You don't earn honor. And honor is a decision. 
Honor is not felt. Honor is a choice made on the basis of a reality of a truth that the person in front of you is made in the image of God, therefore deserves honor not for anything they do or don't do, but because of who they are and in whose likeness they are made. They don't have to earn it. And see, that's often the challenge that we have in our relating is that we think honor, we, no, you don't, you don't deserve, you don't deserve. You know, one of the biggest barriers I need to overcome in working with some of the people that I work with is convincing them that I'm not here to do anything other than to serve. See, my work in the court system, I'm, I'm brought in to assist people understanding what's going on in court and able to tell their story. And sometimes that'll be witnesses, sometimes that'll be complainants. Sometimes that can be an eight-year-old child having to give evidence in court. And so my role is to make sure that they can give their best evidence, to make sure that they can understand the questions, to make sure that they can say what they want to say. But my work could easily take me to sitting alongside a defendant, somebody who's charged with a crime, as it was on Friday in Wellington and as it will be tomorrow. Now, I'm not going to go into the detail of what that, but, but if you could imagine every worst possibility of what somebody can be charged with, those are the people that I sit next to. So what's the challenge? The challenge for me is to understand that the value is not diminished by anything someone may do. Oh, they'll still need to take responsibility for it. They'll still be accountable for it if, in fact, they're guilty. But my job is not to act as judge. My job is to serve and my job is to recognize and honor them because regardless of their brokenness, they are made in the image of God. Is that easy? No, because I'm like you. I'm human. I know the story. I know the facts. But what Paul's inviting us to do is to understand that knowing the facts, are we going to elevate the truth? in order to honor the people around us and in our world. So there's a little thought, Romans chapter 12. Let's, let's go on. So, so when we're thinking about preferring one another, that, that leads to another question and quite a good question. Is it all about me or is it all about you? Because let's face it, one of the biggest challenges we have in honoring one another is that we're worried we're going to miss out. What if I honor this person? What if I prefer them? What if I let them go first to the buffet at the church event? What if I miss out? And so the big battle often is, is not with anyone else but me. The me and the you. The you or me, not, you know, me and you. So let me, let me just uh, throw this up as a thought. The last 12 months, I've lived in the kingdom of Tonga. I'm, I... I don't just live there, I actually am not just a citizen, I am naturalized, I have a Tongan passport. I live in the kingdom of Tonga. Now, if you've been following the news, you're probably aware of some things that, that I'll mention, that Tonga has a king. Um, if you watch the news over the last 10 years or so, you'll realize that it was a time where the people rose up and rioted in Nukalofa, in the, in the capital, and the sum result of all of that was that the king chose to re release some of his powers and, and create a more of a democratic government, and the government now does 
a certain amount of what the king used to decide, but the king is still in authority. So it's not like England, it's not like our queen, who's fairly much just a figurehead monarchy. Uh, Tonga is a little bit different. So, so Tonga's been going through a bit of a turmoil, and that journey is still going on as it learns to grapple with this thing called democracy and voting and parliamentarians and parliamentarians who make decisions, but there's still a king. See, here's the thing. What I've realized living in Tonga with a king is that there is a tension existent in that nation that doesn't seem to exist here in New Zealand when we think about the queen in England. I mean, I don't know how much you think about royalty, English royalty, constitutionally. I mean, it's all very boring. It's not something I understand, but, you know, we, kind of a, it's a part of our system, but it's not. There's, it's, it's kind of figurehead stuff. But when you get to Tonga, it's very much more real because there's a tension between what people perceive the king has the power to do and what people would like the power to decide. Now, I'm not here to talk about politics and I'm not here to, to, to argue the point, but here's the point I want to make because living in Tonga and listening to the conversation and the dialogue has made me understand something about some of the tension that we often find in the church. Let me just throw out some truths that should be self-evident, but by, I suggest you probably haven't thought much about them recently. We actually just sang about this too. Just by the way, we probably sing about it most Sundays. Um, we are part of the kingdom of God. You'll notice it's not the democracy of God. Now let, let that sink in for a moment. See, because... What we understand by democracy is what? That you have the right, you have the ability to vote and decide. Okay, and that's neither right nor wrong, but you know, it just is. But I think some of the challenge we have in this understanding of honor is that when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we will talk about the kingdom, we will sing about the kingdom, but actually we still live and act often like it's a democracy. Like relating to God is like a democratic, and yes, you are free to choose to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus, but once you've chosen to follow him, he's not asking to be our mate, he's not asking to be our buddy, what he's actually challenging us to do is to follow him as a king. Now, if you've read history, if you've read even the Bible and the Old Testament, you'll understand that a relationship between people and a king is not always easy. Right back, there was a time where Israel looked around at the nations around them. They all had a king. So basically, paraphrasing a large section of the Old Testament, they said to God, they got a king. They got a king. They, we want a king. God says to them, I will be your king. They go, no thanks. We want a king like all the other nations. God says, if you have a king, there'll be some disadvantages. He'll take your sons. They'll form armies. Some of them won't come home. The people still said, we want a king. So in the end, God gave them what they wanted. Just a little answer there. If you're ever praying for something and God doesn't seem to be answering or seeming to say no, just be careful. One day he may give you what you're asking for and it may not always work out. But anyway, just a thought. So Israel ends up with a king, but God's original intent was that he would be king. And I think that's some of the same tension that we still have today. We look around at the other people in our world 
And we go, oh, we kind of like to be like them. I don't mean, we don't look at our neighbors and go, they've got a king. No, no. no. But in the end, we like the idea sometimes they seem to have freedom to decide to do this and freedom to decide to do that. And, freedom. and so, yes, I know I'm following Jesus, but I just, I'd rather just, I'd rather have the kind of king they've got rather than the Jesus. It's, it's, it's just this tension, and, and yet we, we sing about, we, we sing about King Jesus, not Buddy Jesus, King Jesus. And, and if you understand what a king is, a king, you know, it's, it's not often up to, for debate. It's not a, shall we vote on that? You notice God didn't give the people 10 suggestions. He gave 10 commandments. But we kind of want in our humanity, we want to argue the case. We want to debate the, mm, I don't know. Just, yes, I know it's king, yes, king. But actually, sometimes the challenge is we're calling ourselves followers of the kingdom. But the king reigning in our lives is king me. And that's the challenge. That's the reality of often what we're hassling about. And, and what we find difficult to do is to bow the knee. We want to bow the knee, but we want to have a but. Oh, yes, yes, I'll, I'll worship you, but. God doesn't like our big butts. He's inviting us to follow him, him as king. Yeah, that's that's a challenge. It's it's like ah, and that's the reality of our struggle. And I believe actually that's part of the battle that we have day to day, and why we don't often see the things that we desire to see, because we get ourselves in the way instead of honoring the King, following the King, and sometimes it may come down to trust issues. Why wouldn't you trust a natural king? Why does Tonga hassle so much of this? Well, the concern is that the king will have too much power and will do things to the detriment of the people. What does that speak about? That speaks about the character of the king. Now, I think sometimes we struggle in the same way, and yet his character should be a no-brainer. See, that's all the enemy has ever done, right back from the Garden of Eden. What could he do in tempting Adam and Eve other than call into question the character of the king? Did God really say it? Did he really? In fact, he didn't. That was part of how he lied. But even today, as followers of Christ, we can say, well, yes, yes, I, yes, I follow. But do we really honor him as king? Or are we still nervous that if we truly do, maybe he'll do something to our harm? And yet this is the one who we acknowledge made us, loved us before we were born, created good works for us to do in Christ, loves us unconditionally, gave himself up for us. He's more than benevolent. He's absolutely oriented toward us. Everything he does is for our good. Therefore, we can trust his character and we can honor him as king. And yet I believe the challenge is unless we can honor him as king day to day, moment by moment, we will not see the breakthroughs that we desire to see because we are not living in that place of honor. Let me, um, let me think, what, is, what does that mean? See, I believe this is the same principle that often challenges us in our relationship with leadership. I don't know what your church background experience is. Mine was Presbyterian. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm just saying it was a great church. It was a, that was the church where I connected with Jesus. But in the way the church was led and governed, it was led by a presbytery of elders. And the way that that worked was that the minister sat with a group of elders, and if the minister, the leader, had a vision, he had to get all the elders to vote and agree on it before it would come to pass. Now, again, not right or wrong, that's just how it is. That's how lots of churches are organized in our nation. Why? Because sometimes it was brought out of the sphere that, well, what if we let, wow, what if we let the senior leader do what he feels God is saying? Man, it could go terrible. I think Moses had the similar problem. In fact, many leaders had a similar problem all through the Bible. So we have this trust challenge. Do we trust the character of leadership? And so we create backstops around them. And, and I'm all for accountability, please don't get me wrong, but in the church situation that I grew up in, if the elders didn't agree, it didn't happen. So the leader could have a vision, what God is gonna do in our church, but if there wasn't a consensus amongst the whole group, then it never happened. And, and many times what that meant was frustration for the senior leader because he had to be, it had to be voted on, it had to be democratically agreed. The challenge I find in reading the Bible is I don't see that pattern ever. Yes, in the New Testament, decisions were made and a unanimity was sought. That was a hard word to say. But it was in response to a vision from God and there was a unanimous yes and then people went for it. But there wasn't, I don't read anywhere in the Bible where a group of people sat around and voted. In fact, if you really wanna go for a way of deciding things, what they did what you do find an example of in the Bible is a bit more like Lotto, where they would draw lots. How did they decide the replacement for Judas? Well, it wasn't really like Lotto on a Saturday night, but they drew lots. I don't know whether you've ever drew lots. That's, that's not some sort of deep spiritual term. That's putting names in a hat and drawing one out. Okay? But there wasn't this sense of sitting around voting, do we think that God is speaking to our leader and shall we agree to go forward? Now, why am I saying all that? Because I believe the same challenges that we find in honoring God as king sometimes come down to the same challenges we find in honoring leaders in our lives, trusting them, believing that they're okay. Now, I'm not talking about naive, but I mean that sense of, okay, I believe that God is speaking and we're going to move. How do we honor God? How do we honor the leaders in our lives? I don't want to answer that question fully here this morning, but I do want you to provoke you to think about it and to talk about it again during this week because I believe if we're wanting to see an unlocking of kingdom principles, on the back of unlocking, unlocking kingdom principles in our lives is only going to come on the basis of us honoring the king and those he puts in authority around about us. What's our response to the people who are in authority outside of this place over us? Our MP, our Prime Minister. Here's the thing. I don't care what your religious, oh, sorry, religious, I don't care what your political persuasion is. Do you know that the people who are in authority over us in our city and in our nation are ordained by God? Notice I said ordained by God. I didn't say everything they do is perfect. 
but they deserve our honor and respect. Number one, because they too, like you, were made in the image of God, whether they acknowledge him or not. And number two, they've been ordained. Why is it that Paul says, pray for those in authority over you? We don't want to pray for them. We want to bag them on social media. Far more effective. (laughs) But actually not what we're called to do. And so again, are we, gonna, are we wondering sometimes why we're not seeing the breakthroughs and the keys unlocking that we want to see? Maybe it's because we haven't understood the honor, that honor actually unlocks the kingdom. But only if we acknowledge first the king and everyone else made in his image. So let's, let's have a look. Let's, let's just say, look at one other thing before we finish. So Matthew 6.33, again, Jesus uses this word. And, and again, he doesn't say, but seek first the democracy of, the, of God. No, he says, seek first the kingdom. So if you're seeking first the kingdom, it suggests that we're looking for a king and we're looking to follow the king. And that's actually what Jesus is intending. And, and that will therefore have us this picture of, of us being in a group of people who are a part of a kingdom. And I, and I just want to look again at another illustration. So we think about what we're a part of as a kingdom. I want to just touch, finish on another illustration that's used in the Word of God to talk about how we work together and what does that tell us about our honoring of one another. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul unpacks how it is that we're called to live in our relationship with one another. So we've thought about our relationship with God, our relationship with those in governance and leadership. What about our relationships with one another? And he uses the metaphor of the body, the human body. You can read it for yourself, 1 Corinthians 12, but he talks about the church being, and I don't mean the building and I don't mean the organization, I mean the body of people, literally like a body. Jesus is the head Jesus is the head. Just saying, Jesus is the head. That should answer all our worries about, oh, but what if I don't know? No, no, Jesus is the head. What's in the head? The brain. Yeah, so it's that sense of Jesus is the head of this body, this thing called the church. And each one of you, we're all parts of the body. Some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. Some of us are elbows. If you think about, we're one body, but it's made up of many parts. And what you notice about the human body is not all parts have the same function. And, and that's as it should be. So, so Paul unpacks this whole idea that we're, we're, we're one, but we're many. We're, we're one body, but we've got many different parts. And, and, and that's exciting. And so he, I won't go there, but just to briefly touch it, in 1 Corinthians 12, he goes on to say that, you know, sometimes we, we, the parts that we see, we take more care of. Those that we don't see, we, you know, we, we don't really see them. We don't even sometimes think about them, but they're all essential to the functioning of the fullness of the body. And it's the same in the church. Now, hold that thought. Let's go to his letter to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4. He talks about the fact that each of us are different parts, each have been given different gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, this says this. He says that these gifts are given, these different giftings are given to different people so that the body can be strengthened, so the body can grow. 
And in one particular part, in one translation, he says that the body grows with Christ as its head. The body of church, the body of church, the body of the church, the body grows by what each joint supplies. That's body joints, not the other joint. Now let me ask you, if this body of Christ, the body, the church, is made up of different parts and you and I are the different parts, what are the joins? When Paul says that the body grows by what every joint supplies, what are the joints between the different parts of your body? What's that metaphor in in the church? The join is where I meet Pastor Will, where Pastor Will meets Desiree, where Desiree... What are the joints? The joints are our connections, our relationship. So what Paul's actually saying is the body of Christ grows as we're, number one, connected to the head who is Jesus, and number two, we understand that we all have a part to play, and because all our parts to play are different, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about we, it's about us and that the body will actually grow. The, the church, the body of Christ, will only effectively grow to the point of the effectiveness of the joins between you and I, our relationships with one another. That's why the Bible, the New Testament, is so full of the importance of our relationships with one another. They will make or break the effectiveness of the body of Christ on the earth. It's a scary thought. I don't know whether you've all ever thought about it, but man, God, are you sure about that? Is that you wanted to entrust your plans and purposes to your body on the earth, the church? I know, I'm not sure that I would choose it, but I'm not God, neither are you, and praise God for that. So there's that sense where actually our relationships are incredibly important. Let me just finish with a boring piece of medical advice. Sorry, sorry hang on, let me, yeah. So there's the verse I was just referring to. From him... Jesus, the whole body joined and knit together, that's you and I, by what every joint supplies, by what is what we draw from one another through our connections, our relationships with one another. Here's a boring piece from some web med. This is about the physical body. Look at this. I just thought this was really cool. Joints from the connection, uh, joints form the connections between bones. Okay, that's one kind of joint. There's joints in the nervous system, but let's just look at this one. They provide support and help you move. Any damage to the joints from disease or injury can interfere with your movement and cause a lot of pain. Now let's read that again, but when we read joints, let's think about our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. Joints form the relational connection between people. Our relating is our joining. These relationships provide support and help you move forward in life. Any damage to our relational joints from disease, from dis-ease, of not feeling at ease with one another, suspicious, or from injury, hurt, offense, jealousy, misunderstanding, unmet expectations, can interfere with 
your movement, the movement of the body moving forward, progressing in God, and cause a lot of pain. So what are we saying? The person sitting next to you, the person you have your arm around, the person whose hand you hold, they're made in the image of God. They deserve honor, not for anything they do or don't do, but because they're made in the image of God just as you are. But likewise, the person in church you're having trouble getting on with, the person you're not sure if you trust anymore, the person who's offended you, the person at work that you don't get on with, the family member that you're struggling with, they too are made in the image of God and are deserving by that fact alone of honor. And if we can begin to grasp that, that will begin to shift our thinking and our acting in every other way. We can honor God as God because we're a part of his kingdom. We can honor the people in our world because they're made in his image. And we can honor one another by taking care of our relationships with one another. You know, when, when we have problems, when we have joint problems, that is when we have relationship problems, I, I, I occasionally get joint problems because I'm not as young as I used to be physically. I, you know, and, and I know what it is to feel joints are stiff. Uh, I've got to stretch a bit more. What does a stretch involve? A stretch involves doing things you don't normally do in order to find a new level of freedom. Maybe some of the stiffness that you're finding in your relationships with one another are going to be answered by the same, stretching out and having a conversation that you don't usually have to find a new level of freedom in your relationship. How important is that? Absolutely essential. The body of Christ will not move forward unless we look after the joints our connections with one another, honoring one another, preferring one another. But if we do, I believe we'll see things that we've never seen happen in here, out there, everywhere. Because this kind of honoring unlocks the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're our dad. But God, we also remember this morning that you're our king. Father, I pray for every person in this room this morning who has struggled to trust you, truly trust you. Father, I pray people in this room, people in Mosgiel, where the, the challenge has been unmet expectations, even in their relationship with you from the past, causing them to live at a distance in the present. Father, I pray you'd come by your spirit and begin to heal that hurt right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for a new view. I pray for people who have struggled in this area to begin to see you as the one who can be trusted. Even as we sometimes sing, you're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. Sometimes what we quote out of your word that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we ask, think, or even imagine. Even as we read in your word sometimes and 
not quite sure of, but God, we know it's true that says that all things work together for good when we love you and are called according to your purpose. Therefore, what we meet as a challenge should not keep us from trusting you as king. God, I pray you release your healing right now into this room, to Mosgiel, where we've been challenged to trust you as king. I break every fear in Jesus' name. Let every fear be counted by an overwhelming sense of your love because love casts out fear. We wait on you, God. Father, come as King, King above all, King above every fear, King above every anxiety, King above every hurt, King above every offense, King above every pain. Come, King Jesus. Today, God, we choose afresh to honor you as king. To truly honor you as king. You're the boss. Forgive us, God, for the times where we take back the scepter of authority over our own lives and try and run it all again. Again, this morning, we choose to give it back to you and say, you're king. We're made in your image. We're here to serve you and your purpose. That in serving you and your purpose, we find truly who we are. And Father, lead us to honor one another in a whole new way. Father, even just teach us, even in the house, even in church, even in our church family, let us learn the lessons of what it is to truly honor one another and prefer one another. Let this be our training ground so that, God, what we learn here becomes something that we then begin to manifest outside of these walls, outside the, the, the context of our relationships with one another, that, that we begin to infiltrate our world with that same ability to honor and prefer others because they're made in your image. Teach us to see everyone in our world through your eyes. Let us choose to give honor, regardless of whether we feel in our humanity that it's deserved. That in giving honor, people may begin to see themselves as they truly are. Your son, your daughter, made in your image. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.